Brothers and sisters in Christ, peace and goodwill to you on whom God's favor rests. Amen. You may be seated. Over Christmas break, most of us were blessed to be able to see our family and friends. And I don't know about you, but when I see my family and friends, it raises interest in my future ministry. As pastors, professors, and seminarians, we've all had to face questions like, what made you want to go into the ministry? When did you know that you wanted to go into the ministry? Or for some people, a variation of, what were you thinking? Do you know what kind of money these people make? Interesting, thought-provoking questions, indeed. We've all had to think about why we're here. And I'm sure that many of you have answered these questions in the same sorts of ways. I've been really encouraged by a pastor to think about entering the ministry. Or I saw a need in the Church of God that can and should be filled. Or, if you listen quietly, the answer that's rarely spoken above a whisper around these parts, I feel like God himself is calling me to be a pastor. All seminarians have to consider these questions at one point or another. So you think that Moses in our text, the great prophet of God, would have to consider these same sorts of questions. But based on our text today, none of these are important. We know that Moses had been raised as an educated and powerful and wealthy son of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. But now we see him reduced to shepherding for his father-in-law, excuse me, Jethro. One day as he was tending the flock of his father-in-law by Horeb, he saw a burning bush that was not burning. So as he went to check it out, he heard the voice of God himself calling to him from the bush. And when Yahweh spoke to Moses, he said, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Wow, straight from the mouth of the Lord. No kindly old Grandma Schmidt telling him that he should be a pastor. No Pastor Mueller telling him that he should consider attending the seminary's contemplate event. God was calling on a direct line and he didn't want to be put on hold. Obviously, Moses was called by God himself. So the questions that we might have about why we would want to enter the ministry don't apply here. The question that we see today, however, is about Moses' confidence. It's about his assurance, about how he will be able to carry out his vocation, his calling in the future. The focus, the question of our text, comes straight from Moses' mouth when he answered God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? A reasonable question. A question that is applicable even to us today. Some of you in this congregation have been called by congregations and are pastors already. Some of us will be called this year or next year or soon thereafter. 
But what will be our confidence, our assurance, to carry out this call? What will keep us in our vocations? The question I have for us this morning is, who am I that I should be confident in carrying out God's call? On first thought, we all have something shared that we can appeal to, our education. Yes, a seminary education in one form or another can give me confidence in carrying out God's call. And yes, contrary to some people's beliefs, an education is necessary for being a pastor. When Paul wrote to Timothy, one of his many requirements for becoming a pastor was to be able to teach. And how can one teach unless he himself has been taught? And that's what the seminary does, right? It, quote, serves church and world by providing theological education and leadership centered in the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So perhaps a seminary education is what we should look to for our confidence in carrying out God's call. And after all, we will be approved, God willing, by the Council of Presidents of acting as the Board of Assignments. While we might use this answer at certain times, we must be careful. Yes, we know that a seminary education equips us and forms us and is a vital part of our growth. But is it what we should look to for our confidence? Our text, along with the rest of Scripture, doesn't support this answer. Consider those who haven't been formally educated yet have been called by God to his people. Amos is an obvious example. Amos was, wait for it, a sheep breeder from Tekoa. Yet God sent him to the Israelites to carry his message of impending judgment. And when the priest Amaziah confronted Amos about his message to the king, what did Amos not turn to for confidence? He said, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son. I was a shepherd. In other words, Amos did not go to the seminary. So he couldn't appeal to that. So too, we need to be careful about thinking that a seminary education can give us assurance in all those tough times in the ministry. God can and does, first of all, send uneducated, unqualified people sometimes to bring his message to his people. And if Amos doesn't do it for you, consider the disciples. Jesus didn't send the disciples to Concordia Seminary, Jerusalem, to learn how to preach. In fact, the earliest known homiletics textbook that we have is from the 4th century AD. Think also about your own eventual callings. Will your pastoral care be invalidated in those tough counseling sessions because you didn't get into the counseling class you wanted with Dr. Hartung? If education isn't the answer, then what is it? Who am I that I should be confident in carrying out God's call? Maybe it's not where you get your education, but who you are even before you get there. 
It could be that I can be confident because of my God-given personal gifts and faith. Paul tells us that we all have different gifts, right? Some may be good at teaching or preaching, evangelizing, building relationships, or simply have a lot of great life experience. Some of us are stronger in some areas and some in others, but we all have enough of these gifts to be great pastors. And these have been confirmed to us, right, by our teachers, our friends, our family. I'm sure some of you have heard, oh, that was just such a great sermon. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Or, Vicar, that was just such a great Bible study, the best I've ever heard. You helped me to understand the importance of the gainus maestaticum. Well done. All of us have our own gifts, right? And think about Moses. Moses should have had all the confidence in the world because of his life experience. Moses should have found reassurance in the fact that God called him because of who he was. Moses knew Egypt and its power structures. He had recent experience in the desert, which of course would help with the Exodus. What more should Moses need for confidence and reassurance? And what about our own church body? Recently, we put into place the SMP program to raise up pastors for our churches. Now, these, these guys don't get the regular, traditional seminary education, but they sure fit the bill as far as their gifts and faith to be pastors. Shouldn't they be able to look to these gifts for confidence? Shouldn't we also? Certainly, God wouldn't send an awkward conversationalist or an ISTJ to his people, right? Yet, to answer the question this way turns us inward. Yes, personal gifts are important for the ministry of God in his church. But is this where we should look for confidence? Consider Moses again. He didn't have all the gifts necessary to be a great prophet of God. He couldn't even speak well in public. God had to send Aaron, his brother, to speak for him. When we think about where we should look for assurance, it's easy for us to focus on our personal God-given gifts and our faith. But when God calls people to bring his message to them, we have a lot of biblical evidence that he calls the weak, the uneducated, even the poor public speakers. Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians 4, We do not preach ourselves. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, for what is seen is temporary. Jesus himself tells us to deny ourselves, to lose our lives, to follow him, and to do his work. But our question remains unanswered. Who am I that I should be confident in carrying out God's call? This morning, I want you to consider one more answer. Listen again to the last verses of our reading. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. 
Therein lies the comforting answer to our discomforting question. It's not as if God despises education or disdains the gifts that he himself has given us. But it's not where our confidence lies. He calls us in order that he might be with us. And he's with us in Christ. The very same Christ who just a few days ago we celebrated as Emmanuel, God with us. The very same Christ who took upon himself our flesh and dwelt among us. The very same Christ who, though he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? was raised to new life. He was forsaken so that we might not be. And since he has been raised to new life, we can listen to his promises of assurance with confidence. When you go about, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit as you teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the basis for our confidence and assurance. We have God's promises, and this is where we put our hope. God is with us even now in Christ. That's what he's promised us, and this is where our hope lies. So even without education or with education, even with ordinary gifts or extraordinary gifts, God promises to be with those whom he has called. So when you ask yourself the question, who am I that I should be confident in carrying out God's call? Remember the words of St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Fix your eyes on Christ, the comfort that we have received from a God of comfort. And remember, he will be with you always. Amen. Please stand. O oh Lord.